You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to SEO 101, your introductory course on search engine optimization. So, turn on your computers, open your minds, grab your mouse, and get ready to get back to the basics. SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm is now in session. Is now in session. Hello and welcome to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm, episode number 398. This is Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and my stand-in co-host is my company's senior SEO, Scott Van Eck. How are you doing today, bud? Good. Good afternoon to you and uh, everyone out in podcast world. Yes. Yay. Uh, another day, another week. Uh, so we are fitting this in on a very busy day, so we're just going to jump right into it here. Oh, most of you appreciate that anyway. So to start with, uh, just a sort of a side note we didn't want to forget, um, it's in both Search Engine Roundtable and Search Engine Land, uh, Google is slowly releasing a new mobile search design. Um, and if you go to each of those sites, you'll see a side-by-side -side comparison, kind of hard for us to describe. 
it's not earth shattering. Um, I think Barry Schwartz even said that it's unlikely to release. He doesn't think it's going to have any great impact on conversions or anything, but it is fresher. It is simpler, a little cleaner. And I think, I think for Google, just fresh is important. They like to make sure things don't get too stale. For sure. I, I actually ran both of, uh, Barry gave out two different examples, one for a search for humpback whale and the other for uh, running spots in San Francisco. And for one search, I see the old version and the other search, I see the new version. So the rollout is pretty active right now, I would have to say. All right, then. Um, this next one, I read about this too. Why don't you uh, take it on? Yeah, so it looks like the Australian government wants to force Google to pay to link to news websites found in search results. Um, in an Australian Senate hearing, a Google executive said that if a law forcing Google to pay news outlets for links could prompt it to stop offering search in the country, which is interesting. <laughs> um, uh, it's kind of interesting in a lot of ways. I, I can't see Google really pulling search. I think they're probably bluffing. Um, they say, you know, Australia is a small market, 19 million people or something to that effect. But, you know, that's still a big enough number that they'll find a way to make it work, I feel like. Um, but it, it brings me back to same with the thing they had going on in, in France that why are people forcing Google to want to pay them to link to them? You know, like, hey, Google, you want to link to my site? Do it. You don't have to pay me. Just <laughs> give me the link. That's more than enough. Um, well, I think, I'm not sure. Okay, so what I understood, uh, based, because I was mostly following the French deal, uh, what little I was following it, but it was, you know, it was more concerned about what content was used in search, not so much just that they linked to um, sites. Because, I mean, if you link to a site, and provide information, um, you're generally going to send traffic. And I don't think many of the news organizations have a problem with that. Um, and so I find it a little muddled here. Um, see the French deal, just reading here, I noticed something that it was saying, um, it's more about subsidizing journalism. So I think, I mean, obviously the, these, sites would love to be found, but I think in a lot of cases, they're putting snippets in search and they're, they're using that content and sometimes not sending that traffic. I think that's the biggest offense. Um, and I guess the only way to nip that in the butt, perhaps from a legal point of view is to say links. I wonder. Yeah, I kind of wondered about that myself because I, I kind of get the snippet aspect to a degree because, you know, you, you show their snippet, they, people never go through to your site. Although even as a, a website owner, you'd still get a level of branding there that's, you know, pretty valuable. But that aside, um, this one particular article from Barry states link, yeah, not snippet, which had me wondering, because if it's just a link, why would anybody have a problem with that on any level? I mean, that's gold. Um, but I don't know if it's if Barry miswrote. I haven't really been researching a lot about the Australian issues. Well, this going is on actually there, so. a quote from Google Australia's managing director, which mentions links too. So I, I wonder. I wonder if it's just a way they have to tackle it. I don't know. It's very verbose, I'm sure, and it's going to cause lots of issues. I think the, the problem was that the, in France that publishers are starting to get some money. They managed to get it to happen, and that set precedent. Anyway, we'll see. I'm glad I'm not Google shaking this out, but then again, they can afford to. They can, if anybody can. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
before we get into this list here, let's talk about Duck Duck Go. <laughs> this is kind of interesting. I saw this everywhere last week. Yeah. Um, so apparently they've surpassed 100 million searches in a single day. Now, anyone who doesn't know about DuckDuckGo, I can't blame you. Um, it's very niche. It's essentially search with full privacy. Uh, I don't think they collect anything about your traffic or your activity. Um, I don't know how much they, they track. I've never really dug in, at least not since they launched years ago. Um, but a lot of people feel that this is because of all the snooping that's been going on lately, you know, people, more and more people are becoming aware of just how much is being tracked. And I think DuckDuckGo is appealing to many more people than it did before. It, it's definitely interesting. I want to know more about the people using it because like I've certainly used it from time to time, but more as an experiment just to see what things look like. I certainly don't, uh, you know, Google my local pizza place using Duck. Or, <laughs> there we go. I said Google in the whole. I don't search <laughs> for my local pizza place using DuckDuckGo. And I, I, do people really do that? Obviously, some people do. Um, but they were saying that, you know, just for comparison, Google serves around 5 billion searches a day. So around 50 fold, unless I did my math wrong just now. Um, and DuckDuckGo is, they're looking at it in about five years, they'll reach about a billion searches per day if they keep the same exponential growth rate that they've got going on right now, which is a lot. I mean, that's a big number. Um, can they really compete with Google on that level? I don't I guess we'll find out. And again, do they need to? They just need to take a big chunk of market share and make some money off it. Oh yeah, um, they definitely don't need to, uh, to dethrone Google, but it's interesting to see where that might go. If you asked me 10 years ago or wherever, when we first heard the name DuckDuckGo, I would have just laughed and said, they'll be gone in a year. Yeah. And you know, they're, they're hanging on and growing. So it's the ones that you surprise you like, is this, what? <laughs> and, and yet Yahoo couldn't make a go of it. I guess they still exist, but when was the last time you used Yahoo? <laughs> a long time. <laughs> Although I had someone talk to me the other day about Yahoo. So I guess people are still using it. I think it's mostly from their, for their um, email. And then they get sucked into different areas. I don't know. I could see that. I could see that. All right. Well, let's jump into something else that's kind of cool here. Um, it's uh, Moz uh, released a, SE, a 21 SEO tips for 2021. Oh, class. Like, love it. 20, 21, 21. Okay. So um, this is by Cyrus Shepard. Uh, Cyrus Shepard? Cyrus, I guess I said. Anyway, um, Cyrus, uh, one of the top guys there at Moz. And he... Well, we're just going to go through the 21 tips. And some of these are obvious. Some of them are perhaps things you haven't heard of before. So you might be helpful. First one is he suggests is favicon optimization. So uh, F-A-V-I-C-O-N optimization. Now, first, uh, icons are what you see in search results or in your browser. So I guess the most common place is your browser. If you look in your URL field when you're on a page, um, that's the place where you type in your address and, and go to it, not the search bar, but an actual URL field in the browser. You'll see often a padlock. Um, if there is, however, a logo or something, sometimes you'll see that there. Uh, I think these days, mostly the padlock shows up. However, if there's a search result, the logo can appear and it's a favorite icon, fave icon. So if you, sh if you save or bookmark the page, it'll show that icon will show up in your bookmarks. It's the way to easily find things, but it does make you stand out a bit in search results. So he suggested that. Um, why, don't we do, why don't we trade off? You do the next one. 
Sure. Uh, so breadcrumb optimization. Uh, I, you know, you see a lot of sites that don't have breadcrumbs implemented. And, you know, if you've got a really small site, sure, you don't necessarily need it. But for any larger sites, I mean, they're huge for usability quite often. Oh, what um, are they? Sorry, those are the, the link. Usually it'll be under that main header navigation on a site. It'll be a series of links separated by like a little greater than or a vertical bar or colon or however you want to do it with links back to everywhere you've been on the site. So it'll usually say home and then your category and then the subcategory and then maybe the page you're on. Um, you know, it kind of depends on what the site is itself, but um, certainly yeah, that's why they call breadcrumbs is like a crumb, a breadcrumb trail from where you started. Yes, yeah. exactly, exactly that. <laughs> anyway, so it's good. Have them do it, um, and and mark and mark them up with uh, structured markup. And often those breadcrumbs will even appear in search. Um, maybe not often, but sometimes. So, I see it quite often. Yeah. yeah. So do yourself a favor and and just have them. I mean, I see it all the time that it's not there. Um, I don't remember whether or not. That'd be interesting. I'm gonna keep an eye out for this. Whether or not the breadcrumb still appears in, Navi in in Google search. I mean, Google's smart enough to know where you're at. So it's quite possible it would still show up. Um, but I imagine it increases the likelihood of that showing up in search much, much more. All right, number three, meta descriptions. Now, these have no bearing on whether or not your site gets ranked. This is not SEO from that perspective. It's more from conversions. A meta description is your way to describe what the page is about and entice a person to click on your listing versus another listing that, or a search result versus another search result. Uh, so make it enticing, don't make it long. Uh, kind of tricky to do, you know? If you, you get in the swing of it pretty quickly, but uh, if you aren't good at making something kind of catchy, uh, it can take a little time to get into it. Uh, Anyway, compel those users to click with a good meta description. What's number yeah, four? Yeah, the next one is numbers and titles, which isn't really something I've considered a lot of in the past, but certainly used when it makes sense to do so. Um, in the article, he basically says numbers in terms of dates, like January 2021, um, tends to be a pretty good attractor of clicks. Um, the same thing kind of goes with lists. If you have like the 10 top reasons to whatever, uh, have the 10 as a one zero as opposed to T-E-N, even though your high school English teacher would tell you to write T-E-N for numbers under 10. Um, so don't listen to your English teacher, listen to Google, uh, put the number as a number in your title tag. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. 
And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. All right. I've, yeah, I've never heard of that myself, but uh, apparently having that, that date can yeah. help. Yeah. And, and actually, even having numbers would be useful because title tags, you know, you're really confined by the length. Um, you know, if you have to put like, you, you know, if you just put it in number format, it uses a lot less characters and pixels and you can fit more into your title. Cool. Um, another thing is uh, boilerplate titles. So anyone who uses WordPress is fairly familiar with this usually. Um, in your settings, you can determine what you would like. Actually, Yoast is a really good example here. When you plug in Yoast, it gives you the opportunity to create a template for your title tags. Um, you might say uh, title of, or I don't know, name a page, uh, category, and then site name, something like that. I'm just throwing that out there. But um, he said, Cyrus said that in their testing, Removing that boiler plating somewhat helped uh, in terms of uh, conversions, or at least, uh, what was it? Not conversions, what did they say? Uh, click-throughs, I believe. Click-throughs. Yeah, more clicks and higher rankings. I don't really understand why, but anyway. in, in his example, it's interesting because his example was keyword-driven personas dash whiteboard Friday dash moz. And when they removed the whiteboard Friday, they got a higher click-through rate, which would be counterintuitive to me. Um, too. But, you know, I guess it just shows that uh, that's how it goes sometimes. Well, I think in this case, maybe that's the brand. Moz shows up faster and sooner in the title. Uh, that would make sense to me because there's a trust connected to Moz. And if they see that sooner versus the very length, that was a lengthy title before, uh, is more likely to get that click through. But the nice thing about WordPress and, and probably most content management systems these days is you set that boilerplate and it's easy to override them. Um, so for individual pages where you can make those tweaks, you you know, it's not a big deal. Yeah. And if you wanted to do something site-wide, you can. Um, you're going back to boilerplate then, but um, you can still test that way too. A perfect example of where that comes in handy is if you're dealing with tag pages or category pages, which are sometimes often blocked, but sometimes you want them indexed. And, you know, you may have a few hundred pages that aren't really there for SEO purposes, but they have to exist and you want some consistency. You don't want to write a hundred titles for pages that aren't ever going to rank, but yeah, save yourself hours. Uh, number six is FAQ and how to schema. Um, that definitely uh, very important schema. We, we love schema, period. I think it's fantastic. It adds more context to a page, clarity. Um, in this case, uh, he's talking about uh, the ability for an FAQ schema. So this is what you would add to a page. If you had a frequently asked questions page, you could have the question, the answer, but then you would actually, in the um, code, you would note, this is the question, this is the answer. <laughs> it's very simple, but it, it allows uh, Google to quickly identify that it is a Q&A page. And it, the potential is that it'll show up in, in uh, 
uh, what do they call it? It's not a search snippet. In, it's... in the people, people also ask boxes. I've seen it show up there sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. In the example he has here, it's a booking.com listing the top, now the 10 best Melbourne hotels. And then below it, it has some common questions. And I guess those are sourced from the page and the FAQ schema. For sure. And it's not that difficult to map, especially if you use uh, just JSON LD FAQ page or, or whatever applies to your situation. It, it's fairly easy to mark up. Um, and worth it for sure. Yeah. And and I, I note someone, uh, I can't remember who it was. Someone kindly noted that, you know, we, we've got to be careful about our uh, acronyms. So I'm trying to do that. I'm not trying to explain anything that comes up now a little more often than not. Uh, just so you know, Jason LD, there is no acronym there that I know of. Uh, <laughs> it is uh, just a type of schema. Um, just type in JSON, J-S-O-N, and uh, is a backslash LD. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I didn't know this until you were talking and I have to look it up. It stands for JavaScript object notation. So there you go. Woo. For linked data, the LD. Our listeners really needed that. Yeah, I had, to learn, <laughs> I had to learn on the fly there. I had no idea. I was like, is it an acronym? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure I needed that. Oh, geez, <laughs> well, now you do. There you go, JSON LD. So um, next is relaunching top content, number seven here. Uh, so, this is true and very something that we often use when we're doing um, SEO on sites. So if if particular content has done well in the past, and we are, we do have to rely on the client to remember that. Um, typically, we don't have the uh, paid time to go and research which one has, which one hasn't. But if they can think of a few that did really well, you're like, okay, is there a way to refresh this? Can we relaunch it? And uh, if you can, that's a powerful tool. I mean, that content typically already had some authority that was built. It's usually waned over time. It doesn't have the same rankings it has, but I have experienced a, a, you know, the ability to get them up faster in rankings again, uh, simply because they have a history. Uh, so try and relaunch some um, older but effective content in 2021. And one easy way to sometimes find that content, just go into your Google Analytics account, set a date range, like maybe, uh, you know, check it for 2018 or 2017, pick a year and search for your traffic by content under, oh, now I can't remember the navigational path, of course. I think it's under behavior and then content or something to that effect. Or you go to landing pages and look for ones that stand out in that year as having a lot of entry traffic. Um, it might, might help identify which pages could be redone. And then if you see them tailing off, you know, that might be a good one to relaunch. Mm -hmm. What's next here? Uh, increase internal linking. Mm, love that one. You know, a lot of people don't link internally within their blog posts and their content to other relevant content. And you should for a lot of different reasons. Uh, it helps pass authority through your site. It helps pass relevance from one page to the next. Uh, user experience is good. Um, so if you've got a blog post and you're talking about I'm going to hate, I hate to go back to the widget analogy from 15 years ago, but if you're talking about red widgets in a blog post, link from that blog post to your, your uh, product page on red widgets or your, or more information, supporting information about it. Um, it just really helps keep things tidy and SEO friendly. Well, and a huge part of that right now. Um, and it, again, this is the, the basic, the new SEO doesn't really need to understand this, but it is helpful. Um, and that is that by doing these connections, you're connecting and making it clear what the topics are in your site. Entities are what Google calls them, um, or at least that's what we know them as. So, and, and this is a huge part of the knowledge graph. Um, this is part of what you, Google uses to 
identify the content on your site and what you should rank for. So um, by, by strengthening the connections between these particular topics and or slash entities, uh, the better off you're going to be in terms of visibility. So uh, big stuff. Uh, and again, it's one of those things that when we're brought on, we get on top of it's important. All right, number nine, update old content with new links. Oh, yes, 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 yes. So uh, this is particularly true with sites that have been around a long, long time. Uh, I shudder at them how many broken links we have on our site because we have had a, long, a lot of years of news on our website. And well, you know, the internet, things change a lot. So companies go down, um, get changed, get bought, whatever, and those links break. Uh, so you go through and fix those. But you know, if there's uh, an opportunity to link them to something just as relevant but active, do it. Um, it, it does it does help. Uh, and it, it sort of refreshes that old content as well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Absolutely. And I would stick uh, note as well that those links could be internal as well as ex external. So if you've got a new product page or new information on your own website, mm -hmm. your old supporting blog posts might be beneficial to add those links. Yeah. And actually this might as well just do this 10th year too. It connects with number 10, which is removing unnecessary links. You know, if there's any garbage in there, just remove them. If there's links in this, in your site that uh, you just, that really aren't necessary, remove them. Um, and it, it just helps to declutter uh, the site and stop the bleed of your authority to places that are just not worthwhile. Um, but, uh, you know, with that said, let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to get into number 11, uh, mobile link parity audit. Chewing that one for a sec. Mobile link parity audit. Anyway, <laughs> we'll be right back. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high-quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. If you're an online marketer who really needs to grow an audience of buyers but can't do all the heavy lifting alone, then here's the solution you're looking for. Introducing the DFY Podcasting System. Here's what you get. 30 minutes of one-on-one -on -one training. A weekly podcast for you or your company. Distribution to almost every podcast portal. An embeddable player for your website. An ebook called How to Podcast, created for WMR.FM show hosts. And much, much more. And best of all, you'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. 
TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on WebmasterRadio.fm. Hosted by myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc., and my company's senior SEO, Scott Vanek. Remember, we have a show notes newsletter you can sign up for at SEO 101 Radio. Don't miss a single link and refresh your memory of a past show at any time. And we have full on show notes now. So you have uh, an actual transcription, I should say. So you've got lots there. In addition, I'm inviting listeners to connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can connect with me via LinkedIn at, uh, this is the URL, uh, linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash website marketer. That's what I've chosen my nickname to be back then instead of Ross Dunn, which I question sometimes. But anyway, website marketer <laughs> is my name within LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, so linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash website marketer. All right. We're doing the 21 smart Google SEO tips for 2021. Uh, this is by Cyrus Shepard from Moz. Uh, number 11. Why don't you take that one, Scott? Yeah, the mobile link parity audit. Uh, you knew that was coming. Uh, <laughs> anyways, what happens is a lot of people will switch from a desktop site and they'll redesign and make a mobile site and they will pull links. So you'll have fewer links pointing to various pages of your site. Maybe your header naviga navigation is reduced or maybe drop down navigation is reduced. Uh, and you really should not do that. Uh, what will happen is you may end up removing links and then that content can't really be easily found via mobile. Um, I think this issue probably isn't that big of a deal if you are working, say, in WordPress or a content management system to create a properly uh, uh, dynamic, not dynamic, what's the word I'm looking for, responsive website. Hmm. Uh, but you know, be careful with your navigation. If you are creating two sites, you're designing for mobile on one and, and it's quite a bit different from, than the desktop version, try to make sure you're including all the same links uh, to your content. Yeah, and this is why um, when we do design at Stepforth, we design mobile first. Just like Google, Google is mobile first, so design mobile first, desktop second. That way, whatever's on desktop is sure to be on mobile because the mobile was the place that established everything. Um, unfortunately, uh, there's just often times when desktop sites are converted to mobile, things get removed to make the make it more slipstream, make it look better, uh, and yeah, you end up with some uh, with a lack of links. I mean, essentially, you're you're you can deconstruct that the 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 connections that those entities that we're talking about, those connections between pages, uh, and that's not good doesn't help. And since Google is go becoming Google or mobile, Google is becoming mobile only in 2021, uh, this is going to be absolutely critical. Invest in long form content, number 12. So it, the actual length of content is not a ranking factor. Even Cyrus says that here. Um, but 
uh, it does often earn more links and shares simply because it's more in depth in most cases. Uh, that's why I like writing or suggest clients write ultimate articles. These are the kind of things that are just outstanding. They deserve shares. They attract links. They're just the kind of thing that people want to talk about, want to read and want to share. Uh, they do, they typically do well for that particular reason in results. What's number 13? Uh, 13 kind of ties right into that. When you are creating that long form content, make sure you lose a lot, use, don't lose them, use a lot of header <laughs> tags. So, you know, you'll have your main H1 at the top of the page and then subsequent H2 and H3 tags as you organize your content throughout that long form. Uh, you can use multiple H1s on a page, but in most cases, you probably don't want to. Um, and it just sort of helps Google organize that page and see what every section is about, which is probably going to be extra helpful the way Google is, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're going to start uh, linking to subsets of content within the page. Um, right. You know what I'm talking about, right? I'm looking for the word. It's escaping me. I'll uh, figure it out. Uh, passages. Yes, passages. Right. Thank you. Got it. Just in time. <laughs> yes, we certainly talked about that enough. It has not launched yet that I know of. We're all waiting. It, it has not. Um, but yeah, those heading tags I'm suspecting will be helpful in that long form content as well for the passage stuff once that's released. All right. And, and further to uh, sort of the entity concept, uh, number 14 is leveraging topic clusters. Uh, if you're going to create a piece of content that's outstanding, it helps to have supplementary content, things that um, help. You know, they establish, maybe do a series about a particular topic. All of these reinforce each other and give a better opportunity for uh, visibility. Uh, of course, that's through internal linking again. Uh, and number 15? Uh, yeah, sort of the, well, I guess it doesn't really tie in exactly, but uh, bringing content out of tabs. If you have a lot of content in accordions and drop downs, um, they have to click to reveal. I guess studies are showing to bring them out of those tabs so people don't have to click to see them, which is kind of interesting because I know Google is, you know, pushing for mobile friendly and there are a lot of very friendly mobile reasons why to have that content in a tab so you don't have this mess on your phone. But um, so it's not necessarily an indexing issue, probably more of a usability issue more than anything. Um, I know personally, I don't love tabs sometimes. I think a lot of people use them wrong. Um, you know, in my case, I don't like it if I'm looking up for looking up a product and I've got to have a different tab for uh, the, all the little details about every type of thing, like the warranty is in a tab and maybe the specifications are in a tab and the descriptions in a tab. It's not always easy to find depending on the, what the designer's done. So um, leaving that content out of the tab might make it easier for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, I'm personally a fan of accordions. Oftentimes they look good accordion design. That's when for listeners, that's when uh, you click on something and it drops down and then you click on the one below it, it goes back up and the other one drops down. I mean, it's just a clean way of quickly getting through content, but I, I can see why it's not everyone's cup of tea and, and yeah, it's, I guess, just not as effective either for user experience. Um, I'm going to take a quick second here and mention that uh, we've got a couple of exciting shows coming up. Uh, this is episode 398. Well, for 399, we have Stefan Spencer. Um, my one of my mentors, uh, great guy, and uh, always has lots to share. He's got his own couple, his own, his own two podcasts that are great to listen to, and uh, he'll be sure to be very interesting. For our 400th episode, I am just in the midst of getting the actual timing worked out, but we're going to have John Mueller on the show from Google. So 
I invite you all to send any questions you have through our Facebook uh, page. So uh, you can just send it through uh, the group, our Facebook group, uh, or post it on our Facebook page, SCO 101. Uh, so that's going to be quite exciting. All right, the next bit here, technical SEO, number 16, uh, Core Web Vitals. This is very technical, but it is part of the page experience signals um, that are going to be part of you know, what Google is using as a ranking factor in 2021. Uh, I've been researching this a lot lately, trying to find different ways of, of building websites that have a lot of these Core Web Vitals built in. It is not going to be easy. There's going to be a big, big, big market for that this year. I uh, expect there'll be some startups, in fact, that are going to be focused entirely on this, uh, especially in the page builder realm of WordPress. There's a lot of work to be done there because the code tends to be quite bloated. In any case, they are very technical. This is about how to provide a better experience on your website, making sure the page loads quickly, making sure that content doesn't move around as you load the page. Oh, I hate that. Um, lots of things are going to be considered. We talked about it in the previous episode, um, and there's plenty of information online. Just type in core web vitals and you'll find out a lot. It will be rather Greekish if you're not into this stuff, but uh, there are some good, uh, decent um, explanations that are um, sort of lower level if you don't want to get into the weeds. Yeah, the next is limiting your XML sitemaps to 10,000 URLs, which is something I've never heard anyone talk about before. It kind of surprised me. Um, the kind of the upper limit in an XML sitemap is 50,000 URLs, and then you break those. Uh, you, so you have an index sitemap typically, and then that index sitemap, XML sitemap, will point to a bunch of other sitemaps, and each of those have a subset of URLs based on whatever criteria works for your site. Anyways, the upper limit has sort of been 50,000, but as Cyrus says that, you know, don't, uh, you don't have to limit yourself at that. You can, you, you can make your own limit of 10,000, make it smaller. And I guess they've seen some tests where uh, indexing has been better for those larger sites when they break the sitemaps into smaller subsets, hmm. which is, I've never thought about that. Um, yeah, there was a time when we, we talked, gosh, I got into the weeds on this years ago, but where you could build out sitemaps for specific, you would do it just per category or just per silo. Um, ugh, it just didn't seem worthwhile anymore. Google is far smarter than that. It doesn't need that anymore. I'm surprised this makes a big difference, honestly. I think it probably does simply because you can break it down into the more important parts uh, versus if you did 50,000, it's hard to prioritize real, really well, even though there is a priority setting. I imagine it is better if it's a little bit broken uh, into different files. Kind of intriguing though. And for those who don't know what we're talking about, XML sitemaps are uh, a coded uh, map of your website, I guess, in terms of, of, of links. So all the different pages within your website are in a site map. You've seen the visual versions of these. Well, this is an XML version. It's a simple coded uh, file that Google can digest quickly and access all the pages you want them to see. It doesn't mean they're going to index them all. Um, it'll crawl them most likely, but it doesn't mean it'll add it to their index. That's a whole other thing. Leverage dynamic sitemaps. This is unnecessarily complex, I think, for our listeners, but, uh, and, and frankly, I don't think I've seen someone use this. Uh, have you seen a dynamic sitemap? I, I have Never. I've never seen one. Uh, but uh, essentially, I'll read it off here if you want to know. 
uh, he said his friend Oliver Mason shows that uh, a dynamic sitemap is a sitemap that changes based on what you want Google to crawl. So if you have a large corpus of URLs that you want Google to crawl, put the high priority ones in their own special sitemap. And I think this breaks down to what we were just talking about, having them in separate maps. Uh, I think it just might be a little more in depth because it uses different technology. It's going to be way above the our, our listeners. Uh, and, and hell, I don't even use them and I never used them. So um, maybe it'll come out someday that it's important, but at this point, I imagine there's many more things you should work on. And we're into link building. Oh, look at that. Uh, passive link acquisition. So the gist of passive link acquisition is trying to build links to your site without having to do anything. So the, <laughs> you, you have to do a lot, but you're not, you're not going out there and knocking on doors and calling and emailing, hey, will you link to my stuff? The gist of it is build really good content. Build content that when people see it, they want to link to it. Um, and how to do that really is going to vary based on industry to industry and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, the, the more advanced or not advanced, but the more in-depth your content can be, the more interesting, the more engaging, um, including mixed media, maybe some video, some graphs, some photos, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, just make really high quality content that people want to share and link to. And um, you'll, yeah, well, we you'll grow your links. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And link attraction is the other term for it we use all the time. So same idea, just build it and they will come. <laughs> See, I'll say, although I'm not so sure in this case in all the time, but you need to definitely get it out there. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'll find like, uh, you know, you might not even, you might get a link a year or something. And I know that doesn't sound like much, but if you've got a site that's going on and on and on for years and, and you're building content all the time, they add up and uh, they translate into traffic and they help your rankings. And yeah, it's and not all links are created equal. Some are very powerful. Some Absolutely. Are so you may get the powerful one that, I don't know, if you if you try to equate them to other, maybe worth a thousand links or low level links. It's, it's, it's quite important. And that doesn't, uh, you can't forget too, when you're creating this content to attract links, you're also creating more authority and more content to rank. So you're, it's not like you're creating it just for links, but it's a good offshoot. Mm -hmm. Number 20 is page, page level link intersect. Page level link intersect. Okay, so this is, I, I have a feeling a bit of a pitch for Moz and that's okay, it's a really clever tool. Uh, the idea here is that you put in your URL, the one you wanna get links from, or links to, I should say. Uh, so you're trying to build links to xyz.html. Well, you then use this tool and go, uh, okay, please show me pages that link to any combination of the following URLs. And then you would put in uh, I don't know, another website that talks about XYZ. And then you put a Wikipedia page that talks about XYZ. Uh, and then what it'll do is it'll, Moz will go through its system and look for any places where there are links to both of those page, both of those sites, in those case, cases, pages, and uh, not to yours. Uh, and, and then you can identify them and go, okay, well, these are obviously very relevant. These are ones I want to target and try to build links to. Um, and I'll take a little quick one. The last one here, be the last click. Uh, it, it just essentially make sure you've got the best content, make sure you get the best experience. Um, and that's going to be what really gets everything. <laughs> I can't speak. Uh, <laughs> uh, essentially, you want to be the one that everyone wants to be at, the, the site they want to be at. This is where they, know, they don't have to go anywhere else. 
goodness gracious, that was a lot of words for that answer. Keep keep your users happy. Help them find uh, what they want. Yeah. <laughs> it all comes down to user experience. There you go. We that took a lot longer than I expected. We got a. I think I'd like to just add one more thing to the show. Uh, this is uh, kind of a cool little tool we found. Um, I was looking through some of um, the articles on local search forum, and there is a tool uh, for checking or changing your location when you're doing searches. Uh, it's a Chrome tool called GS Location Changer. This is on Chrome. It's also available on Firefox. It is free. GS Location Changer. So if you do a search for that, you'll find it. And it allows you to change your location so that your search results will hopefully uh, connect with that. And, and you can see what results appear in different places. Now, Scott had a bit of an issue with his. Why don't you share that? Yeah, so I, I'd never heard of this tool until we're getting ready to start recording this episode. And uh, so I installed the extension and and did a search, put in Comox, BC, which is the city I live in, and, and just tried searching for pizza. And uh, it brought up pizza restaurants in some city in Kansas or, or some area of Kansas. So Kansas City. <laughs> anyway, I can't speak either. I'm getting my brain mixed up. Um, anyway, so it, it might have some glitches. Maybe I set it up wrong, although there's not really any setup. I'm, I'm going to have to figure that one out. But uh, <laughs> make, make sure that it's showing the city you want it to show and not Kansas by default. That maybe it's, that's just where it wants people to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's hope that was just a glitch. Uh, okay, well... Uh, remember, we've got some fantastic episodes coming up. Um, I'm going to be working my butt off to get some even more great uh, uh, attendees, guests over uh, 2021. Uh, I promised before, but I think I've been delivering lately. We've had some good episodes. And uh, thank you for joining us today, too, Scott. Much appreciated. Absolutely. So on behalf of myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and my company seniors SEO, Scott Van Ack, Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions you'd like to share with us, again, for John Mueller, that'd be great. Please feel free to post them on our Facebook group, easily found by searching SEO 101 Podcast on Facebook. Have a great week, and remember to tune into future episodes, which are at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, every Monday on webmasterradio.fm. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.